Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. We are in the book of Romans, and we are continuing to make a little progress through Romans chapter 11 today, and we should conclude this within another episode or two at the most. As we move through this wonderful book, Paul's great treatise on the gospel. So today I want to pick up the reading in Romans chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 22 through 28 and discuss these today with a little bit of a review. Romans chapter 11, verses 22 through 28. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so, all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. So I want us to discuss this section today and see what Paul is expounding on here so that we have clear understanding of this section of Romans, section 9 through 11, which we've been in now for quite some time, where Paul deals explicitly with the church and Israel, and the plan of God. And so we have seen how in chapter 9, he primarily dealt with Israel's past and showed how there have always been roots of disobedience and unbelief in the nation of Israel toward the promises of God. But there's also a remnant. And in chapter 10, we see that also again. Chapter 10, he deals with their current spiritual status of unbelief, and yet that there is hope that they can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. In chapter 11, Paul continues dealing partially with their current state, but he is taking it from their current state to also show their future. He is expounding on where they are standing right now, and why that is so, and what has happened to them, 
and what their ultimate future will be in coming days. So, we've talked about this chapter, and we see in here some of the imagery that Paul is using, and one of those is this olive tree. And he talks about the olive tree, the original olive tree, meaning Israel and God's chosen people based on the promise of Yeshua, the Messiah, from the patriarchal days with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, etc. And that there was a holy seed left of a remnant after the nation as a whole would not believe the Lord and turned and rejected him. And yet we see even through Jesus' day that when they rejected the Messiah, the nation as a whole was now under the curse of blindness because of their hardness of heart, because they had rejected the Lord. But there was always and will always be a remnant. There is a holy seed. There is a remnant. So Paul has been talking about this tree, and he talks about the original branches and the ones that are still connected to that vine, to that tree trunk, to that healthy tree, are the remnant believers that did not fall into unbelief, that truly believed and received Jesus, such as the disciples, the apostle Paul, etc. And then there were branches that were broken off, and those were the Jewish people as a whole that have rejected the Messiah, rejected Jesus, and fallen into unbelief, and so they are represented by the branches that are broken off. And then there's these wild olive branches, which represent all of us Gentiles who are not Jewish and yet believe in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus the Christ, and therefore we are now grafted in, even though we're a wild olive branch, we're grafted in safely and securely to the original olive tree. And so that's where we are at this point. And that's the review part of where we've come from. Now, Paul has talked in these verses about grafting the Jews in again. He says that if they do not continue in unbelief, in other words, like we've read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the veil being over their eyes, their eyes are blinded because of their hardness of heart. And yet, if they turn to the Lord, if they call upon him and are saved, if they will believe in him, that blindness is removed, that veil is taken away, and they are grafted in again. That's what Paul is talking about. Now, we are living in exciting times because we are living in the days when we are seeing this come to pass right before our eyes. And it's in, in the messianic Jewish movement. Praise be to God for the Messianic Jewish movement, because many Jewish people now have come to faith in the last 40 or 50 years, and this has been growing, and God's word, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures about Messiah, and he is the Jewish Messiah, those things are coming to life for the Jewish people now, and many have been saved, and many are getting saved in these days of the Messianic Jewish movement. And so 
This, as we saw, as we ended the last episode, we looked at the prodigal son that Jesus had talked about. And we see how the father was thrilled when the prodigal son came back home. And we talked about how the father is longing for the prodigals to come back home. Jew or Gentile, God the Father wants all to come and be saved. He doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want any to die apart from him. He wants all to be saved and come into the family of God. And so the Father rejoices when the Jewish people come to know him. The Father is rejoicing. And there was in the story, remember, the elder brother that got all upset about it. And that could represent people in the church that are jealous and that are, you know, downplaying it or whatever, condescending, etc. And that should never be. We should never have any elder brother syndrome, you might call it. The father is rejoicing and we need to be rejoicing with the father, just like the father told that older brother. And he said, no, it's right that we rejoice because the dead have now come to life again. Praise be to God. And so we need to keep that in mind and rejoice with Father God when any and all Jew or Gentile are coming to Jesus and being saved. Praise be to God. So Paul continues forward beginning in verse 25 and we're going to talk about verse 25 through 28 for the bulk of our time to today. He calls this a mystery, and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. Now, that word is talking about a secret that, in a sense, remains hidden until it is revealed, until that revelation comes. So Paul now is going to bring that revelation. He's going to reveal this truth that he wants us to understand and be clear about. So he tells us here that there's really two purposes for this revelation that he is going to bring to us. One is because he does not want us to be ignorant of it. In other words, he wants us to truly understand. He wants us to not have wrong thinking or accept wrong philosophies or teachings about the Jewish people and their current state or their future state. Paul wants us to understand this mystery. He wants us to understand and he wants to reveal to us so that we don't think wrongly. And then he says the second reason is he doesn't want us to get wise in our own opinions or, in other words, be conceited thinking more highly than we should of ourselves. Now, I want to stop here for just a moment because this is pertinent to us today. There are some that have introduced false teachings and heresies into the church, claiming that the church has replaced Israel and God is done with the Jewish people because they rejected him. That is not true. That is not true. God said clearly in Jeremiah chapter 31, that teaching is not true. It is not biblical. 
God is a promise-keeping God, and he made an everlasting covenant with Abraham for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's descendants. And he confirmed that everlasting covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so there is an everlasting covenant God has made with the Jewish people, and that has not been set aside. That has not been overturned or overthrown. And we have proof of that from the Word of God in, in several places, but here is one of them that clearly tells us the truth about that matter. And Jeremiah prophetically speaks the Word of the Lord here in Jeremiah chapter 31. I want to read beginning in verse 35. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. God makes it very clear. And Jeremiah says, this is the word of the Lord of hosts. So it is, thus saith the Lord, so to speak. God is making very clear here that he's the one that has appointed the sun and the moon, the times and the seasons, the earth, the heavens, all of those things. And he says, if they ever stop existing, if they ever stop functioning, if those days come to an end, then and only then will I cast off Israel forever. That's not happening. That's not happening. Those things continue exactly like God created them. We have the sun every day. We have the night every every night with the moon coming out, etc. We have the stars. We have those functions that God has ordained in the natural realm. And they will continue until the days when there will be a new heaven and a new earth and all Israel will be saved by that time. So these things are continuing and that's proof positive. God has not cast off Israel. That is a lie. Do not believe that. The church has not replaced Israel. And so we need to understand that. And Paul wants us to clearly understand those things so that we do not fall into the trap of believing lies that come along that do not fit the scriptures. They are not biblical. God has not cast off his people forever. He has not replaced them. He has not cast them aside. Paul wants us to understand that, and he wants us not to be conceited in our understanding. In other words, the flip side of that is true as well, in, in the sense that the church now shouldn't think more highly of itself than the Jewish people and put them down. Oh no, we go back to that prodigal son again and that father. The father is longing for the son to come back. The father is excited and thrilled when that son comes home. So we are made one in Christ Jesus, one body 
Jew and Gentile alike, of all who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether they be Jew or whether they be Gentile. And that thrills the Father's heart. And it thrills our heart as well. We are one body in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Now, the revelation Paul begins to expound on in verses 25 through 28 is this. Blindness, this blindness, this hardness of heart that we talked about earlier that came because of a result of their own choice to reject the Messiah as a whole. That blindness has come upon the Jews in part. They are under partial blindness. That's talking about them being callous. It's talking about a hardness of heart and mind. In essence, it's a stupidity or an ignorance of something, but it's because they've refused and rejected the truth about Jesus. Therefore, they have made themselves hard of hearing. They've made themselves hard in their mind and in their belief. They will not repent. They will not believe. I want to read a couple of places from the scriptures that will help us understand this a little bit better. Let's look first at Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, I want to read verses 1 through 6. And he, meaning Jesus, entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him, they meaning the Pharisees and scribes and so forth. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, meaning the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. We see clearly in this example how the Pharisees' problem was hardness of heart. And they only hardened their heart even more after this, even though Jesus tried to get them to understand that it was always good to do good on any day of the week, including the Sabbath day. See, they were hung up in the letter of the law because they thought themselves to be so high and mighty and pious and self-righteous. And Jesus comes along and says, oh no, you're just legalistic. You've missed the point. The point is to heal on the Sabbath day is a good thing because it is giving rest to people who've been oppressed and burdened by these things for years sometimes. And Jesus is saying, oh no, God would rather see those people healed, those people in true rest, those people enjoying life again and enjoying blessings from the Lord again than to hold one day of the week and say, well, we can't, we can heal on every other day, but not that day. That's ridiculous. And that was Jesus' point. He was bringing them to see, no, you've become hard. You've become callous to the true meaning. You've become callous 
to the heart of God that cares more about people than he does about some day of the week. In Matthew chapter 12, we read another account of this in verses 9 through 14. And in there, Jesus brings that out. And he talks about how even if they had a sheep that would fall into a pit, they'd reach down and grab it up even on the Sabbath day. And he says, how much more value is it, this person being healed, than it is a sheep? So Jesus is showing them, he's trying to show them, he's trying to teach them that caring for people is what matters to God the most. And he's trying to teach them the spirit behind the law that was given and not to be hung up on the letter of the law. So they had hard hearts. They had hardness of heart. And it grieved the Lord, as it always does. Then let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, here we go again, talking about the blindness, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work, all uncleanness with greediness. So we see here clearly that hardness of heart brings on this blindness where their understanding is darkened, and it also makes a person past feeling because they're callous. Because they're callous, they don't care anymore. They don't feel anymore. They don't have their priorities attuned and their minds and heart and spirit attuned to the things of God. This also shows us clearly that it is a willful choice. They've brought it on themselves. They've given themselves over to these things and resulted in this hardness and callousness. Now, Paul in Romans chapter 11 is talking about this hardness among the Jewish people. But notice that he says that this blindness or this hardness has come upon them in part. In other words, it's partial. It's not the whole. Remember, we know there's a fragment of the whole called the remnant. And they truly did believe. They did not have the hard heart. They stayed the course. They kept the faith, believed in the Lord. And this is not a part of them. This blindness has not fallen upon them. But on the bulk of the nation, there is this blindness, this partial blindness that has fallen upon them. It's interesting because in the understanding of this word, it does mean in part or a segment of the whole, a, a fraction of the whole, a fragment. But it can also be an allotted portion and I want you to, I want to try to explain that to you, why I think that this may be partially what Paul is referring to here. And to do that, I want us to go back and read some passages from the Gospels where Jesus speaks about this and where Jesus acts 
and gives us some things to understand. So the first place I want to go to is Mark chapter 11. In Mark chapter 11, I want to read verses 12 through 14, and it says this, Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he, meaning Jesus, was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if, perhaps, he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Jump down to verse 20 and 21. Now in the morning, or the next day, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, let's read a couple of other places, and then I want to try to help you understand why I'm bringing this out. In Luke chapter 13, I want to read verses 1 through 17. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look. For three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that you can cut it down. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath Loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So might 
So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he had said these things, all the adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. In this section, we are seeing a couple of things. One is, he is giving us the understanding, as Mark also spoke about, that the fig tree does, in fact, represent Israel. There are two Old Testament prophets that specifically call Israel God's fig tree. And so we see that Jesus uses this imagery. And what he's telling us here is that, and in Mark, is that he came to his people, Israel, the fig tree, expecting to find fruit that glorified God, expecting to find good fruit on the tree, and he found none. And so, therefore, he cursed it in the one example. And here in this verse in Luke, he says, I've been with you three years. In essence, he's talking about his ministry. And he says, I've been with you three years. I've been looking for good fruit for all of these three years. And so in another six months, he's going to die for the world. He's going to shed his blood as the Passover lamb. He's going to bear the sins of all the world in order that they could believe upon him and be saved. But he says, then, if it still doesn't bear fruit, it's going to be cut down. And it was. Approximately 40 years later, after Jesus dies, then the nation of Israel is dispersed. The people are overtaken by the Romans and sent all over the world. And that has been almost 2,000 years that that occurred and that they were under that particular diaspora until just recently when Israel became a nation again fulfilling the fig tree prophecy that Jesus also gave later and proving that God is not cast off his people. He, he's not done with them entirely. But what Jesus was warning them about here was that they did not have fruit and therefore judgment was coming to them. And that judgment was going to be this blindness, this blindness that would happen to them in part and it will have an end to it as well. I believe that we need to stop for today because of the length, so that this message is not very long, but we will continue this and pick up from here in the next episode. So join us then. I pray that this has been a blessing to you today, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.